TGI Friday, Red Sox fans. I hope everybody is super excited for the weekend. Unfortunately, things have not been going too great for the Boston Red Sox as they've lost the last two games in a row and lose the series two games to three against the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm going to talk a lot about this Blue Jays series as well as go into the whole Don Orsillo situation and also give my thoughts on the Jerry Remy ceremony as I was at last night's game. It was incredible. But what's up? I'm your host, Massachusetts Pirates team insider Jake Ingazuski. I'll be Ryan Solo today as Lauren is on vacation. But I'm super duper excited to talk to you about what has been going on with the Red Sox over the last few days. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Blue Nile. This Mother's Day, give your mother something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Sports listeners get 50% off $500 when you spend it on BlueNile.com. So use Locked On at the checkout to get your discount. So as I said in the opener, things have not been going great for the Boston Red Sox. They've lost four of their last seven games. In the last four games, they've scored three or less runs. It's been it's been really difficult to watch this Red Sox offense over the last week or so, uh, especially when you look at those numbers. And I was actually at the Red Sox game last night, had the privilege of having the opportunity to watch the Jerry Remy ceremony in person. Remy and Don Orsillo were two people honestly, who are one of the main reasons, you know, why I'm even talking behind this microphone, why I even work in sports and why I love the Red Sox so much. And it was pretty incredible to see the whole ceremony. I'm going to get a little bit more into the whole Don Orsillo situation later on in this episode. But, uh, you know, it was really nice being back at Fenway 2.0 or excuse me, heaven 2.0. That's why I call Fenway Park. And uh, I actually had the opportunity to be a part of the Red Sox career fair, get to meet tons of great, ambitious students. I, I was there representing the Massachusetts Pirates. I actually just graduated uh, last year, so it was pretty weird for me being on the other side of the table, but I had the opportunity to uh, be in the new sort of section that they built there at Fenway Park, overlooking the park. It was, it was such a gorgeous view, obviously, being able to look out uh, at the field throughout the day, but uh, you know, things did not go too great uh, last night for the Red Sox as they took on the Toronto Blue Jays in game two. And as I mentioned, the Red Sox ultimately lost the Blue Jays series uh, after today's or excuse me, after yesterday's unfortunate loss. But looking at Wednesday's game, the Blue Jays won six to one and things continue to not go well for Red Sox pitcher Nick Pavetta. Uh, he went out there for four innings, allowed seven hits, five earned runs, walked four batters, and struck out four as well. But started off not going too great. He allowed a home run to Tapia in the second inning. And it just seemed like he was off all game. You know, we, we saw Nick Pavetta pitching relatively well in spring training. But, you know, as, as I've said continuously, I, 
most people who listen to this podcast understand this, that you can't really trust the performances in spring training and how they're really going to correlate into the regular season. But we have just seen Nick Pavetta look lost out there uh, and uh, hoping and praying that he finds his way because you listen during the offseason. Lauren and I were both expecting him to be a breakout candidate, especially with how he ended the season being a savior for the Red Sox in the playoffs, being lights out out of the bullpen. But I'm curious to see how much longer Heimblum and uh, Alex Cora give him to figure this stuff out until they potentially move him to the bullpen. I don't know. Uh, he really looks lost out there, and it seems like hitters are feasting off of a lot of his pitches. Uh, and, you know, it really put the Red Sox in a tough hole to start the game, uh, you know, allowing five runs early on. And it was kind of I was kind of confused to start out why they allowed him to pitch for so long, uh, you know, because he really blew up the game in the second or third inning. And uh, after thinking about it, the Red Sox don't have a day off for a few weeks. And so after thinking about it, I, I realized that they needed to allow Pavetta to stay out there. Uh, so then they, they didn't have to use tons of bullpen arms. We, we also saw Phyllis Valdez and Matt Barnes uh, both pitch one inning only allowing one hit uh, to both of them, two in total. And then we saw Tyler Danish go out there and make his Red Sox debut on the mound, and he was very impressive, uh, pitching two hitless innings, striking out five batters, and only walking one guy. And uh, for a guy who just got called up from Worcester, uh, I was very impressed. If you're watching the video version, I'm wearing a Woo Sox hat. I actually had the opportunity to get that at the Red Sox career fair. Uh, I'm super excited to go to a Woo Sox game. By the way, just a little bit of a sneak peek of what's going to be coming is uh, Lauren and I are going to do some uh, farm report uh, episodes uh, at a Woo Sox game. We're, we're trying to do it multiple times throughout this season, just give you guys an inside look on how guys are performing. Uh over there in Worcester, we actually have the opportunity to get a press pass. So hopefully we can get some interviews in there uh, and give you guys some sneak peeks. But uh, once again, the offense looked awful on Wednesday night. Uh, we're one for 14 with runners in scoring position. Uh, they left 11 batters on base, or excuse me, runners on base. And we also saw J.D. Martinez leave the game with a left abductor tightness i actually had to do some research and figure out what an abductor was uh it's it's a muscle actually in the thigh for anybody wondering but uh, it was a very frustrating game to watch uh and that's sort of, sort of how it's been over the last uh four some odd games where the red Sox offense just looks completely flat and we also saw the same thing on uh thursday in the day game i'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a second but it's just been really tough to have any confidence in this Red Sox offense. And I can't even believe that I'm saying that, uh, you know, uh, 11 games or excuse me, 13 games into this season. And looking at this Red Sox offense to start out, it was you had a lot of confidence, especially after they signed Trevor Story. And, um, you, you know, it's just been so tough to watch them over the last few days. And you, anytime runners get on base, they seem to squander every single opportunity, you know, there was multiple opportunities, um, specifically on Wednesday night when I was at the game, where guys were on second and third, uh, first and second, uh, only one out. And uh, the Sox either 
you know, just grounded out or struck out to squander those opportunities. And you're not going to be able to win ball games when you're not able to get those clutch hits or come up big uh, with runners in scoring position. Uh, you know, then we also saw on Thursday, um, the bats were flat as well. Uh, the, the Red Sox really didn't do anything until the bottom of the ninth where they ultimately scored two runs. But Kevin Gosman pissed eight innings striking out eight batters but he made the Red Sox hitters look silly and it, it really was tough watching that game as well you know they were swinging at pitches out of the zone off balance and it really honestly looked like that they were uh, hitting up there with their eyes closed quite honestly the only person who has been doing anything quite honestly uh, in this Red Sox lineup, it seems like over the last four to five days is Xander Bogarts, who's currently uh, on a nine-game hitting streak after going three for four in Thursday's game. But everybody else sort of looked lost. You know, we saw Trevor Story in that leadoff spot as Kike Hernandez got the day off, and he was one for four with two strikeouts. He's somebody else who was swinging at balls out of the zone. Uh, we saw Gosman throw multiple pitches uh, to Story with two strikes out of the zone uh, on, on the outside corner. Some great pitches, but at the same time, it's it's tough to see uh, multiple of the Red Sox batters go down uh, on, on pitches that are are uh, blatantly balls. And uh, it, it's it's something that I, I don't I don't really know what what is really going to put a spark into this Red Sox offense, but something needs to change very quickly uh, or this is going to be a really really tough season hopefully they can get a spark somewhere uh hopefully some of the bats can can start becoming a lot more consistent or then these games are going to be tougher and tougher to watch uh we saw before the game alex cora tested positive for covid19 maybe that's why we saw such a it looked like a circus quite honestly out there thursday night or thursday afternoon excuse me i, I think that's why things were a little bit off you know there was a play in the sixth inning it, it was tough for me to just not shake my head in frustration uh chapman ended matt chapman the blue jays third baseman ended up popping up uh to the pitcher we saw ryan brazier christian vasquez and travis shaw all looking at each other waiting for somebody to make a play and ultimately, it, it just dropped in between them. It, it honestly looked like I was watching a little league or middle schoolers game, not not major league baseball players, professional baseball players. It, it was it was just embarrassing to watch. Uh, and you know, it, this is kind of out of nowhere, but I don't understand why Travis Shaw is still on the on the major league team. Uh, over ten of a bats, he's still yet to get a hit. I don't know when. You know, Heim Bloom is thinking about sending him down, or I don't know how long they're going to wait for him to actually do something for this team. But there's plenty of guys down in Worcester who would be able to make way more of an impact than Travis Shaw. And quite honestly, the only reason I see him staying up in the majors is to platoon with Bobby Dalbeck when Dalbeck isn't in the lineup or when he's playing third base. Uh, he just has so much defensive liability that the only place that you can put Travis Shaw is either at DH or first base. And offensively, he can't do anything. Uh, that's my little rant on on Travis Shaw. Uh, but you know, it was it was a tough game to watch all around for the Red Sox on Thursday. They ultimately ended up losing three to two, uh, and it, it's it's something where the offense needs to pick it up. 
Um, they currently rank 26th in on-base percentage. And one thing that I, I was looking at the numbers sort of makes sense with how uh, the batters just have not been patient. You know, they've been swinging at a lot of balls. Uh, and it really shows with the numbers, they're 28th in walks. They have the 28th fewest walks in the major leagues uh, with only 30. And so, you know, it, we, we saw this a little bit become an issue last season where the Red Sox just were swinging at everything and not being patient. And then once Kyle Schwarber came in, everything sort of changed. But uh, I, I think that this is really going to continue to hurt the Red Sox until they start uh, figuring out offensively how to be patient, swing at strikes, and most importantly, come up with something, something with runners in scoring position. Uh, like. It is so frustrating with runners on and just to see the Red Sox continuously do absolutely nothing. I, I hope I'm not the only one who's feeling like this. Uh, it seems like Twitter is too, Red Sox Twitter. But, uh, you know, they got to figure something out. This is going to be a this is going to be tough to watch for the rest of the season. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to go more into my reaction of the Jerry Remy ceremony that happened pregame on Wednesday night, as well as going to a little bit of the Don Orsillo situation, give my thoughts on all that. A little bit of upset about how it all came together uh, and all played out. But first, I just want to take a second to talk to you about Bill Barr. So this is the time of year where, you know, most people usually give up on their New Year's resolutions, but this is also a perfect time for you to start really caring about your health, going out there and, you know, doing everything you can to eat healthy so you can get that beach bod. Uh, but for me, I'm sticking to my resolution right now, and the best way I do that is through Built Bar. I don't know if you guys have ever tried the Puffs. If you haven't, you're missing out because it's the Built Bar's best-tasting bars. Puffs are the first-ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, and they're not just a protein bar. They're a little treat, and they're covered in 100% chocolate. Some of my other favorites that Built Bar has is coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. All of them are so good, quite honestly. They're low-calorie, high-protein. You can replace them with your candy bars. And when you really look at some of the nutritional facts, only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Uh, and when you really compare it to a candy bar, which is usually 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs, when you really look at uh, the nutritional facts of Built Bars, they're so much better for you. And especially when they taste so good, it's hard to not have them on you at all times. So at Built Bar, they're not just about the taste. They make it taste delicious first and figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know about, I don't know how but they still pull it off every single time. But Built Bar has a very exciting offer for Locked On listeners. Go to BuiltBar.com, excuse me, go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order and use promo code LOCKED15 again for 15% off your order at Built.com. And I also want to take a second to talk to you about Blue Nile. You heard me talk a bit, little bit about it uh, in the open, but... Blue Nile is a fine jewelry store online, and it's perfect place to find some great selection for Mother's Day and some beautiful jewelry, whether she prefers, prefers a statement piece or just an everyday subtle elegance. BlueNile.com has fine jewelry options for every mom, so shop high-quality 
classic diamond earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, or gemstone pendant necklaces. If you're looking for any type of jewelry but having trouble choosing, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7 available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. This Mother's Day, give your mom something that's her treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Sports listeners get $50 off an order of $500. This podcast... This podcast exclusive is only good through Mother's Day. So use locked on. That's the code locked on. Plus, every order is insured, shipped free, and, ar- and arrives in the discreet pack- packaging. So it will not give it away what's inside. So shop stress free and find your forever piece. Go to bluenile.com today. I want to thank everybody so much again for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. Now go and check out Locked On Now podcast. It recaps MLB games with analysis from your local experts. Every single day they take fans through the season like no other network. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And in my opinion, the Locked On Network is the number one place to find all your sports information five days a week. They have some amazing podcasts for MLB, NFL, NBA, and also college as well. So if you want to stay updated on some of your favorite teams, definitely check out more of the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. But now let's get into a little bit more of our second segment where I sort of wanted to give my reaction, live reaction, of the Jerry Remy ceremony because as I mentioned, I was at that game. Luckily, it was it was it was an amazing, it was an amazing sort of event. Uh, obviously, tough to not get choked up about how much of an impact Jerry Remy not only had on my life and my childhood, but Red Sox Nation in general. I think that the Red Sox did a really good job, uh, not only through you know the little video that they did at the start, but also some of the speakers that they had to uh, really encapsulate what Jerry Remy did for not only baseball but for the red sox nation in and of itself uh but one person that they missed out on and a lot of people are really upset about it and for good reason in my opinion is don orsillo jerry remy's right hand man his partner in the booth uh for so many years uh and both of those guys as i mentioned at the beginning have had so much of an impact for me uh growing up my childhood uh, I, i'll never forget uh sort of emulating Orsillo on, on different calls. And uh, it's a high fly ball to left field. And, uh, you know, just doing my best to do an impression of Don Orsillo. And it's it's sort of sad to see how this all played out. And uh, especially to see that, that the Red Sox sort of snubbed Orsillo of being able to uh, memorialize Remy as, you know, the, the rest of the people who were really close to him had the opportunity to on Wednesday night. And, just to give you guys a little bit of context on this Don Orsillo situation. So after messaging with Orsillo Wednesday night uh, and talking to uh, Nesson and Red Sox personnel on the background, this is from a Boston.com uh, article. Um, see more of like a miscommunication case instead of a slight towards Orsillo. And, um, you know, it, it was it was also noted that uh, the Red Sox did reach out to Orsillo approximately a week ago to be a part of the ceremony in person. Uh, and Orsillo and the Red Sox both acknowledged this, uh, though there was some confusion initially whether he was invited at all because 
he said a phrase of it wasn't on the table to explain why he couldn't be here, but we're still ultimately clarified that he couldn't make it because of a Padres game in San Diego. And, you know, it's kind of crazy that they just reached out to him a week ago with how much of an impact Orsillo had not only on Nesson Red Sox Nation, but with Jerry Remy. You know, all the memories that we remember of Remdog are with Don Orsillo right by his side. And uh, it's, it's kind of crazy that they didn't obviously look ahead <laughs> on the Padres schedule and, and sort of make this a lot more of uh, something that was planned before the season even started. Uh, but, you know, also ultimately uh, the Red Sox did not want to have uh, any sort of video being played, sort of like we saw uh, with David Ortiz and Dustin Bedroy's retirement festivities. Uh, and ultimately they, they made the, the decision to not have any video speakers at all, uh, which is very unfortunate. It would have been really nice to see Don Arcillo's uh, heartfelt message. He tweeted it out uh, actually to let fans know what he was going to say. And um, it, it would have been a lot nicer, especially for somebody like myself who was, who was actually at the event and also for people who uh, were watching it from uh, the Nesson broadcast to be able to hear and see Orsillo really memorialize one of his best friends. You know, if you didn't see this on Twitter, uh, Orsillo wrote, Jerry, uh, oh, excuse me, that's that was his subject line. Hey, Boston, Don Arcello here working tonight in San Diego. Uh, I would like to thank the Red Sox for the opportunity to talk about my friend, to talk about my friend, excuse me. Jerry, I miss you every day. I miss your friendship, your daily tests, texts, but mostly your laugh. Without you, Rem, I am not in the major leagues today. We worked together for 15 years and over the last 13 you battled and I never thought you would lose. The strongest per you're the strongest person I've ever known. Thank you to the Red Sox faithful and Red Sox nation. I promise you, Jerry knew how much you loved him and it kept him fighting to the end. I would like to thank the Red Sox players for wearing the Remy two patch this year. And it is so very worthy to Phoebe and the Remy family. I love you all and share in your great pain. Jerry, thank you is not enough for everything you have done for me in my life or my career. I love you. Wow. <laughs> Getting a little bit choked up. I love you, Rem. Um, yeah, both of these guys had so much of an impact for me. And it's, uh, it's, it's tough to have to read a message like that uh, on Twitter. And you, you didn't get to see it on the broadcast. You didn't get to see it, in, at least for myself. I didn't get to see it in person. Um, I already know, you know, tears would be streaming down my face if, if that actually did play. Um, and I feel like a lot of people would um, agree with me in that. Uh, we, we did ultimately get to see um, some of the Nesson uh, sideline reporters, all of them that have uh, been a part of the network, um, as well as we saw Tom Karen speak for majority of the ceremony. Kari Ustrimski walked out as well. Same with Fred Lynn, Dwight Evans, um, and also Jim Rice and Dennis Eckersley. Um, it, was, it was a really cool event. Um, it was, like I said, it was tough for me to not get choked up. Um, and I, I really wish that we got to see a message from Don Orsillo as I bet, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of Red Sox fans would echo the same exact opinion. Uh, but you know, it's, it's, uh, it's unfortunate how it all worked out. You know, you could say the same exact thing with how, 
everything worked out with Orso and the Red Sox situation um, at Nesson. You know, I, I have all the respect in the world for Dave O'Brien, but, um, you know, I, I love Don Orsillo. If he could be back, uh, that, that would be amazing. But um, that, that's it for on that subject. Um, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the upcoming Red Sox series against the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, that's going to be happening over the next three days uh, in our third and final segment of the Locked on Red Sox podcast. But first of all, I just want to take a second to talk to you about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So now... Let's get into the Red Sox's next series against the Tampa Bay Rays, who are coming into uh, Friday with a record of seven and six, while the Red Sox are under 500 currently with a six and seven record. Looking at game one, we're going to see on the mound on Friday night, uh, Corey Kluber against Michael Waka. Both of these guys have performed very well to start the season. Looking specifically at Kluber, has a 186 ERA. Waka has been super impressive. And I didn't expect this whatsoever. Um, with a 0.96 ERA, he's been lights out. Has allowed less than three to four hits his last two starts. And, uh, you know, hopefully he can keep that consistency uh, in game one against the Rays. Looking at game two on Saturday, it's still TBD on who will be on the mound for both teams. Then looking at game three, we got scheduled at the moment Shane McClendon for the Rays, who has a 240 ERA so far against Rich Hill. Uh, And so far right now, Rich Hill is still on the family enlightenment list where he was attending his father's funeral a few days ago. So it was mentioned that he could potentially miss his next start. That will be uh, obviously determined in the next few days. But so far, Hill has not performed uh, really that great as a seven ERA so far. And, you know, he's allowed three to four runs. It seems like every single start that he's made so far with the Red Sox. He's pitched like a fist starter. Kind of. This is my, this is my uh, explanation for why Rich Hill hasn't, uh, or excuse for Rich Hill for why he hasn't been performing that great. He's a fist starter. He's forty-two years old. So, uh, how much can you really expect of him? But at the same time, me as everybody would love to see Rich Hill go out there, throw shutout innings. Uh, you know, only allow one to two runs as a fist starter. That'd be really nice. But um, I'll be interested to see if he does ultimately play against his former team in the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, in game three on Sunday, but looking at how the Rays have been, been performing so far this season, as I mentioned, they have a seven and six record currently. Uh, they're ranked sixth right now in batting average with a 256 batting average. And then they're also, interestingly enough, uh, ninth on the list for strikeouts uh, in the major league rankings. Uh, they've struck out 119 times. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the Red Sox uh, are, 
how the Red Sox pitching is really able to take advantage of the uh, Rays' inconsistent hitting, it seems like, so far this season. And then also really looking at how the Rays have performed uh, pitching-wise, uh, they're ranked 16th right now with a 3.73 ERA. Uh, so hopefully the Sox bats can find some life somewhere. <laughs> um, as I've said, I feel like a broken record. This offense needs to figure something out. Hopefully it can happen against their division rival, the Tampa Bay Rays. I would hate for them to continue losing to division rivals going into the end of April. Um, and I hope this these offensive struggles aren't a continuous conversation, not only throughout the rest of this month, but throughout the, throughout the first half. Um, I'm really hoping that the Red Sox offense can ultimately pick it up and win the series against the Rays. If you're asking me what my prediction is uh, for this series, uh, I, with, with with the pitching um, matchups for the last two games being sort of TBD, depending on you know if Rich Hill is going to be on the mound or not, uh, I think that they win game one with Walk on the mound. I'm curious to see what happens uh, sort of in game two with both pitchers to be determined. Uh but if I'm going to predict um, with the, how the offense has been playing with uh, sort of the pitching matchups, I'm, I'm going to say that the Red Sox win one out of three in this series. Hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully they, they are very successful uh, tomorrow or excuse me, today as well as over the weekend. But I hope everybody has enjoyed this episode of the Locked On Red Sox podcast. I greatly appreciate everybody who has supported the podcast Throughout this season, I know that there's a lot of different Red Sox podcasts that you can listen to. So, you know, if you're listening right now and you've just listened to one second so far this season, it honestly means the world to Lauren and I. Uh, and we greatly appreciate you making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. Now, go to make sure that you make your second listen Locked On MLB. Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him solely, brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues past and present. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. If you have not yet, go over and follow Locked On Red Sox on Twitter. We post Red Sox content every single day to keep you guys updated and excited throughout the season. So then you guys are the most knowledgeable and smart Red Sox fans that there is out there. Also follow myself on Twitter. It's at Jake Iggy, as well as my co-host Lauren. It's La 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 with three laws. Lauren with four R's. So as always... Greatly appreciate everybody tuning in. Hope everybody has an amazing weekend. Lauren and I will be back on Monday. And as always, let's go Sox. Peace.